Hey, y'all. Welcome back to the God Center Mom podcast with me, Heather McFadden. You're listening to episode 191, where I invite and chat with my friend and fellow podcaster, Jamie Ivey. She's the host of The Happy Hour Show and also the author of the new book, If You Only Knew, where she bravely goes first and sharing the messy parts of her story and invites us to create a community of authenticity and vulnerability where we get to share how God has redeemed our stories. Yeah, and when I started to really learn that too is when I really started to understand the depravity of ourselves as people. Without God, we're just all sinful dirt. I'm still sinful, but you know what I mean? Like he sees me as righteous because of Jesus now, but without him, man, we're just all kind of the same wretched people. And so like, let's say someone comes to you and it shares, like I had an abortion when I was 19. And you, if your first thought is, wow, I could never do that. Well, that's a clue that you're not understanding how how close we all are to these type of things. You know what I mean? And so I started to really learn, you know what? I'm capable of these things because I'm a sinner. And it's only by the grace of God that I haven't gone through these things. And so I think when we kind of switch our mindset to be like, man, I, I could do that too. I feel like that helps us to be a little bit more compassionate, understanding, and less finger pointing when we realize it is by the grace of God that we haven't maybe walked through that, you know. When God created Adam and Eve, he made them perfect and they were naked and unashamed. And then sin entered the world and they were hiding from God and we still hide from others. As you're listening to Jamie and I talk, I want you to think about what am I hiding? Who are my safe people? Why don't I share this with them? And do I believe that Jesus is enough to cover my sin and clothe me in righteousness? Let's get right to it. Here we go. Hey, Jamie, welcome to the God Center Mom podcast. Hey, Heather, thanks for having me. And I'm excited to have you on because have I ever told you you're like my boss lady courage bringer? No, tell Did me I more. Tell no. I just feel like anytime I'm really hesitant or what's the word? Reticent to take that next step in business related to podcasting, I come to you and you're like, sure, you can do it. And you give me that little boost. And then maybe like a year later, I actually do it. But you're like my pep talk bringer when it comes to being brave. I'm so glad I can be that for you. (laughs) Well, uh, I think my listeners are glad because I probably would have quit a couple years ago if you hadn't encouraged me to take, take things to the next level and become more of a business. So I appreciate you. Okay, well, I love it, and I'm proud of you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. And there wouldn't be a live show, all the things. I mean, I could list thousands of things. And now I'm so excited. Which? how did your live show go? It went well. It went well. I I was kind of overwhelmed at how kind people were. Oh, that's Like, there's so much kindness coming back at you, right? Yes, it's so wonderful. Yeah, so it's a good thing. It's a good thing. And now I get to have you on because you're an author, too. Which is so weird, right? It's so weird. It is. It's a new it's thing cool, for me. Though. You're finally on the other side. You've finally so many <laughs> Yes, I'm on the other side. And it I'll have to tell you, I like being on the other side a little bit. I just have to I have to keep myself from trying to take control of the conversation. So I'm gonna I'm gonna rein myself in, Heather, and let you be the lead. Gosh, that's funny. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. You're so used to like being the interviewer. Right. That you have to take charge. Yeah. Well, this book, if you only knew, guys, first of all. Amazing title, amazing cover. I get a lot of books, but the title, if you only knew, makes you want to open it. I know, right? <laughs> like, what? 
What do I not know? What am I missing out on? Reason. Yes. That's that was very, very well done. But more than anything, I'm excited to share you with the gals listening because you are hitting on a topic that isn't talked about a lot. Living this Christian life when perhaps our backstory wasn't exactly what we view as like the picture perfect Christian person who's following all the ways God commands us to do. And so there's a lot of shame and guilt from our, our previous life stories. And I've had these gals message me and email me and this legitimate guilt. Sometimes, you know, there were legitimate choices, but then shame on top of the guilt that isn't where God wants us to live and isn't the freedom he has for us. So in order to bring some of that freedom today, I would love for you to just give a little snippet of your story. Let us let us in on the if you only knew part behind Jamie Ivy. Yeah, I grew up in a Christian home. And so I've been in church, around church, around things of God my entire life, uh, which I'm extremely grateful for. Both my parents love Jesus and I knew a lot about God, but I wouldn't say I knew him and followed him and gave him my life until I was around 21. So with that came a, a lot of kind of this double life. I mean, on one hand, I went to church with my parents every time they went, every Sunday, Wednesdays. I was in leadership with my Fellowship of Christian Athletes in my high school. But on the other hand, I was also sleeping with my boyfriends. I was drinking, well, I was underage, so it was already illegal, but drinking heavily underage. So I had these kind of two lifestyles. And then once I started following Jesus, I had a lot of like conflicting emotions of, you know, how do I wrestle with things that I've been through? And because of the lifestyle that I was living, I had some consequences and I had some hard things I had to walk through. And so how did I, how do I wrestle with that as now a believer, someone who is following Jesus? Because it was harder for me because when I was in the middle of the, all those things, I would have said I was a Christian. Right. And then right. I realized I get, you know, 21, I'm like, no, I have not given God my life because I there's no fruit in my life. I haven't cared about him. I haven't done anything. And so then I get married and I marry a pastor. And it was there that I feel like a lot of just kind of shame that I never dealt with from my past mm-hmm. just started kind of piling up. But I didn't know what to do with it because I was a pastor's wife. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't know what to do with it because a lot of people in my new life didn't even know about it. So in a sense, it felt like I had this big secret past Uh, Which, Mm -hmm. when you read the book, I mean, there's not any crazy outlandish things in there. I mean, you know, it's a lot Mm -hmm. of people have the same stories. It's just what I did with them. I just kind of kept pounding them down and pushing them down. And I was just really afraid of what people would think about me if they knew about it. That's where the title comes from. You know, if people knew this, what would they feel about me? And gosh, I think a lot of women struggle with that, you know? And so that's kind of where the book is. It's my story of growing up in the church, walking that road, coming to follow Jesus, dealing with the shame afterwards, and then still walking in this freedom for the rest of my life. And still, I mean, this is a story a lot about my past, but still I talk about things in here, you know, that currently everyone's going to have sin struggles until they meet Jesus. And so it's kind of just my story, freedom, let's follow Jesus because he's better. It's so great. It's so, it's shining a light on all those, you know, we talk about skeletons in the closet. It's shame lives in the dark. Mm -hmm. And so the fact that you're going first, the bravery that that takes, um, you talk about how God has put you in the spotlight. You, you give that 
question to people, would you rather be rich or famous? <laughs> That's like my favorite <laughs> dinner table conversation starter. It's really fun. You should try it sometimes. But yes. I like I read it over and over. I was like, what would I pick? What would I pick? <laughs> what would I pick? I, and I feel like, okay, well, I feel like in the whole realm of the world, we kind of are rich and, you know. Right, for sure. Comparatively. But, and, and I don't know a lot of rich people that are happy. I don't know. The famous people are happy. Anyway, it was like one of these things where I sat there after I read it and I didn't keep reading for a while. That's a great question. And famous was your choice, which is a hard thing to say out loud. But then when we really look at and examine our hearts, it's there. It can be there for a lot of us. And yeah. you claimed that a lot of that seeking and longing for that to be known might have been the motivator behind some of the choices you made. For sure. I mean, I feel like, you know, God's put it in us for us to be known by him. That's, you know, the obvious there. But when I ask that question, it's really just this kind of what is the motivator of your heart? Yeah. You know, do you do you walk into a room and do you care if people know you? Do you desire things more than you desire relationships? And that question, it's it's laughable and it's fun and there's no right or wrong answer. This is I'm not a psychologist. It's just a fun dinner table question. <laughs> but the yeah. reality of it for me is that I feel like that desire to be known, it kind of did push a lot of the choices I made, especially as a young teenager with boys. You know, I, I I want to be known. I want to be loved. I want, I want that that fame, not in you know like a famous you know Jennifer Aniston, Taylor Swift type way, but just to <laughs> yeah. be known, you know, deeply and, and known by people. And so I still see that carry over. And you know, it's funny, Heather, is when I started the podcast and started speaking, and um, people started to know more about me, even if I didn't know them. You know what I mean? Yeah. I started mm-hmm. to feel like, is this okay? Like. Is, mm-hmm. Am I a fame? Is this kind of feeding the like? Yes, the I started to think. Inside. Am I yeah. a fame seeker? Yeah. You know this, and I would talk to my girlfriends about it, and they're like, you know, maybe you have this desire, but maybe God's given you that, that desire so that you can get on a stage and talk to people because that doesn't freak you out as much as it would freak someone else out, you know. And so for me, I mean, I'm pretty vulnerable in the book in a lot of ways, but that's a vulnerable way for me to say also, like, hey, I know that I know how this desire could take me out. I also know how yeah. God's going to use it. You know, and so and you and you point out that it's a constant going back to him too because totally, it's right in your face. Totally, it's, it's right, right in, in my face, face. and and it, that may not be it for someone else. For someone else, you know, it could be other areas of where God could use it greatly, or it could be your downfall. Yeah, yeah, so good, and and I love that because He's put you in that place, you can be the one to go first, to be the one to shine the light on these hard things and have these hard conversations and free some women from the shame. Um, I know a lot of my listeners are moms, and I think there's this lie we can believe as moms that if we do X, Y, and Z correctly, our children will turn out amazing Mm -hmm. or never have any struggle. Like they're never going to have a hard time. Right. And so I really appreciated you giving some backstory to how you grew up, that you were in the church, give some backstory. You did the True Love Waits cards, and you were part of your youth group. It's like kind of taking away from the mom a little bit of if you do X, Y, and Z, your kid won't X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Each of our children are on their own faith walk. And as hard as it is, I'm sure for your parents to watch you make some choices that had some consequences, ultimately it's you and God working and wrestling it out. And so I also think you free some moms too to put their faith ultimately not in a card, true love weights, or not in a program or a process, but like, 
prayer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Oh, that those all started with PR. Look at that. I yeah. Can do a sermon. <laughs> there you go. There you go. No, it's so true. You know, uh, my parents did the best that they knew how to do with me. Yeah. I think that's what we're doing as parents. We're doing the best that we can with our kids. And you know, speaking of like just our kids growing up and following Jesus. There's a lot of freedom when you totally believe that God is in control of your kid's salvation. It takes yeah. a lot of weight off of them. I mean, I'll speak to moms here because you and I are both moms, but I'm sure I'm certain for dads as well. But it takes a lot of weight off of mama's heart when they mm-hmm. know, just like you just said, here's what we can do. We can pray for our kids. We can present them with the gospel all the time. We can have, you know, God's word in our home. We can teach them the ways of of Jesus. But at the end of the day, we can't save our kids. Now, I also think there's freedom that we also cannot damn our kids to hell, you know, (laughs) on the flip side, I, when at the end of the day, if I lay my head down on my pillow and I think, man, I failed today as a mom, the good Mm. news is, is that I am not responsible for my kid's salvation either the good or the bad. So praise Jesus for both of those, you know, and hopefully there are more days I lay my head down on my pillow and be like, okay, I did the best I could today with what you've given me. But I think there's freedom in just knowing that as parents, that it is our job to do a lot of presenting, a lot of praying, a lot of just surrounding our kids with the things of the Lord. But at the end of the day, it's out of our hands. Yeah. And there wasn't one thing or anything your parents could have done to change the trajectory. And it wouldn't have taken you to the place of understanding God's grace. It would have robbed you from the ultimate relationship you have with him now. Yeah. And I mean, I mean, you know, like... I even joke, you know, that my parents maybe could have asked a little more questions sometimes, you know, in my life. (laughs) But at the end of the day, I made all my choices, you know. And so I think I could look back at, you know, raising a 13-year-old by now and think, man, when he was 10, I think I could have done this part a little bit different. But, you know, there's there's no use in that. It is just the way life goes. But yeah, I mean, I'm responsible for those things. And do I wish that some of these things hadn't happened? I think I can, you know, honestly say yes, but I can honestly look and be like, man, God, in spite of my choices, in spite of the path, they're purposeful and you're going to yeah. bring good from them. And so that's what we see him doing. Really, really, really good. Okay. So you said there was a point you're at the pastor's wife. You've got all this shame on top of, you, you know, God's already taken care of it, but you're, you're carrying around all these stories in your heart and you don't feel like there's a place for you to share that. What was the, sh- the shifting point for you? Where did you go from keeping it all inside to sharing it with someone? Yeah, I remember sharing it with a couple of friends early on, probably a couple of years into our marriage. You know, when Aaron and I first got married, he was on staff at a church. And so, like I mentioned, I became a pastor's wife. And a lot of the people that we did ministry with then would not know anything about my story until they get this book, you know. <laughs> and so, that is just proof. I myself put a lot of this on me. I just didn't feel confident and comfortable in what God had done to share that. Then slowly but surely, I remember we moved to Nashville. We used to live you know, outside of Houston. We moved to Nashville, and there were some girlfriends there that I really started to get spend some time with and really began to trust. Um, and it was just kind of one at a time that I began to share with. And I think a lot of times, you know, I'll talk about my story or, you know, sharing about your life. And I think women are like, so do I need to get up in front of a bunch of people and share. <laughs> and I'm like, no, you need to find a Probably safe not. friend, you know, find yeah. a safe friend who you know is going to point you to Jesus and share. And I remember the first time I said everything out loud, I was scared to death. Heather, I was like, oh mm-hmm. my gosh, am I really going to say this out loud to someone other than <laughs> my husband? And I kind of like held my breath at the end and then it was okay. Like it was yeah. fine, you know? And yeah. I feel like 
I did that. And so now even just me sharing it, I feel like it gives people this kind of like, okay, she did it. I can do it. And that's, that's kind of what I've seen over the past couple of years when I've been a little bit more vocal with parts of my story is just people feeling like, okay, I think I can do this too. Maybe. Yeah. See, there you are showing bravery. There you go. (laughs) Showing bravery. You going first. So I, I love what you're saying. And I think you know, as I was reading it, because I'm like so vanilla compared to you, so boring. Oh, please. so boring. No. So boring. And I'm like, she is fun. She's the epitome <laughs> of fun. She's just fun all around. I'm so boring. But I thought, you know, I would never judge a friend who came to me and shared that story. I would be so filled with compassion, so full of just rejoicing that God is good to protect and to move. And, but then I thought, okay, that's also knowing you're safe people. Mm-hmm. And like you pointed out, I mean, I think Brene Brown talks about that in Daring Greatly that you can kind of know when you're at coffee with someone and you start to share a tiny bit and they're like, mm, this latte is delicious. Mm-hmm. Like it's not maybe the right person right. to share like a tiny bit to start and test the waters. And and if that person's talking to you about other people a lot, maybe they're not the safe person. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> if you want to be the safe person, I think responding with compassion instead of judgment mm. might be a good option. 100%. And so now everyone just email Heather all your stuff because she'll yeah, listen no, to you. Yeah, no, no, that's okay. I'm good. I'm <laughs> she'll good. She'll listen to you. Okay, I love that Jamie was joking about y'all reaching out to me. And she had no idea, and I had no idea at the time, that I was going to start that Not Alone series. And y'all have come through. I know I said no, I didn't have any messages, but now I do. I have beautiful, beautiful women sharing bravely their stories about the things that keep them up at night the things that they spend time on their knees in prayer over. And y'all are going to be so encouraged to know that you are not alone. I'm putting all this together. I'm working on getting that series out to you. Uh, If you're curious to share a message with me, go to godcenteredmom.com forward slash not alone and you can leave a message too. But before I get back to my conversation with Jamie, I wanted to share with you this month's sponsor. It's Phonics Museum. And I shared it with you the last couple episodes, but it's an app you can get in your app store. It's for kids ages three to seven to learn how to read. But one thing I haven't told you yet is that it is based on the award-winning phonics reading curriculum from Veritas Press, the most awarded classical education curriculum provider over the last 20 years. So if you're a classical education person, don't write this app off as if it's like some cheesy reading program. You should definitely go check it out. My five-year-old is doing it on one of our old phones and thinks he is getting away with some serious screen time. But learning his letters and combining them and thinking he should just pick up Johnny Tremaine now and start reading it, which he cannot read yet. But he's getting exposed to over 900 games, videos, interactions, memory songs that fit all different learning styles. If you want to check it out, you can get a treat two-week free trial. Just go to phonicsmuseum.com forward slash Heather, phonicsmuseum.com forward slash Heather. Put in your email. You'll get the free trial. Get all these other free ebooks and activities. Go check it out. And now let's get back to my conversation with Jamie about being a safe place. Being that safe place is such a valuable part of all of us feeling free of the shame. Yeah. And when I started to really learn that too, is when I really started to understand just the, the depravity of ourself as people, you know I mean? That's, that's a huge yeah. kind of concept, but you know what I mean? Like without God, we're just all 
mm-hmm. like sinful dirt. I'm still sinful, but you know what I mean? Like he sees me as righteous because of Jesus now, but without him, man, we're just all kind of the same wretched people. And so when I started to kind of remember that. So when someone comes to me and says, you know, like, let's say someone comes to you and it shares, like I had an abortion when I was 19. And you, if your first thought is, wow, I could never do that. Well, that's a clue that you're not understanding how, how close we all are to these type of things. You know what I mean? And so I started to really learn, you know what, I'm capable of these things because I'm a sinner. And it's only by the grace of God that the I haven't gone through these things. And so I think when we kind of switch our minds up to be like, man, I I could do that too. And and you know, I've I feel like that helps us to be a little bit more compassionate, understanding, and less finger pointing when we realize it is by the grace of God that we haven't yeah. maybe walked through that, you know. I'd love that you're saying recognizing how great the chasm is between us and God and how great the grace is that connected us to God. If we really grasp that, then we would give that to Mm -hmm. others. But until we grasp it for ourselves, I think when we take on that, I have earned this righteousness, then we look to someone who has made some different choices and think, why can't you just straighten yourself up? I made the right choices. Yeah. Come on. I'm, I'm responsible for my righteousness. You get, you get on track, Mm -hmm. get on track. Yeah. But you know, some of the gals that listen to the show sent me some questions. Oh, listen to them. Good. Some of, okay. She wrote, in a world of rules and consequences, I know with my kids that happens, mm-hmm. what are some practical ways we can teach our kids about freedom in Christ, even in the midst of our mistakes? Oh, man. This is hard with parenting, right? Right. I mean, that's what we're talking about is parenting mm-hmm. because, you know, we're teaching yeah. our kids that there are consequences to your actions. You know, I think the truth of the matter is that even with freedom in Christ, even with freedom in Christ, yeah. there are still consequences to our actions. Right. You know, if someone is dealing with the fact that they had an abortion, there's still a consequence to that, right? There could be mm-hmm. bodily, there could be physical consequence. Um, there could be emotional consequence. But the greater than that is the freedom in Christ. And so I think that when we are parenting, I have some friends, oh my gosh, Kimberly Stewart, my friend is just the most amazing at this, is that when she's disciplining her children, she always brings it back to, this is why we need a savior. And so there might mm-hmm. still be consequence for your kid's action, whatever that might be. But when the when the consequence is handed out and you're having the conversation can we always circle it back? And I need to, you know, this is a reminder to myself as I speak this. Can we always circle it back to, you know, even though that you chose to lie instead of tell the truth, this is why Jesus died. And because he died on the cross, that this sin is forgiven. Now your consequence is still that you have to, whatever the consequences might be, but constantly shift their eyes back to because of your lie, you know, Jesus died for that and you can be forgiven for that. So I think, you know, that's a constant reminder. And honestly, that seems like that those conversations happen a little bit more frequently when I had little kids with my big kids. I'm just like, listen, stop that. You not owe me this. Go, you know? <laughs> but I think it is just like, yeah. you know, constantly pointing them back to the cross and pointing them back to the gospel because that's where the freedom lies, even though there are consequences. Yeah. On this side. Yep. That's really good. You mentioned it was helpful to share your story with friends and get it out there and then it became easier to share. But I know you're probably like most of us. And even with it out there, there's probably this inner monologue that's happening of shame. Mm -hmm. How did you help free yourself on the day to day? Like how do we 
embrace that moment to moment and not let the guilt and the, and the shame kind of overwhelm us. Yeah. I think the thing that I'm noticing the most about that is, you know, the beginning part of this book is, you know, things that happened to me in ni- 1997, 1998, 1999. Yeah. And for those things, I can honestly say I feel zero shame about. Like, you, mm-hmm. we could bring it up. I got pregnant in college. I, I say those things and nothing happens in my body physically to make me feel uncomfortable, like I'm carrying some shame. Fast forward towards the end of the book, and I'm a little bit more vulnerable with some struggles, you know, in my life now. Mm-hmm. I will tell you, um, this it's it's so vulnerable. But I think about when I think about this book coming out, and I think about, you know, me kind of laying things on the table for people. I think about chapter nine, and I just literally could vomit. I mean, it brings up feelings in me of why did you put this out there? Uh, why did you share these things? And what that comes is it comes from shame. I'm ashamed yeah. of what I'm saying. And you know, in those situations, uh, I've, and I, I talk about this in the book so much, and I feel like I say this in every interview, and people are probably tired of it. But I tell my people about this. So, like my husband or my close group of girlfriends, I tell them what I'm feeling, and they remind me of what is true. So they're not just saying, like, it's no big deal. You're fine. You know, that yeah. was one time three years ago or whatever. But they literally are like, remind me of my identity in Christ. And that's, mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, what the whole book is about. That's what I like talk about all the time. And so that's what I'm basically preaching to myself every time those feelings come up is you're not identified by your sin. You're not identified by your shortcomings. You're not identified by your failures. But before God, you are identified by the righteousness of Jesus. And mm-hmm. so although that sounds very churchy and all, you know what I mean? Right. No, it, it, it's like for some people, they may know it, but it's like 18 inches from their heart. Yes, they don't know it. Yes. And yeah, so it can yeah. sound grand and churchy and big, but mm-hmm. I'm telling you when you just kind of just, that's all you need to sit on is that when God looks at me, he sees the righteousness of Jesus and I can stand before him clean. That's huge. I mean, that is that is a lesson that we can learn every single day until we go see him. And so I think for me, it's just when those feelings come up of just um, shame or fear or afraid, it is reminding myself of who I am before Christ. Because at the end of the day, that's really, and this sounds churchy too, but it's true. It's the only thing that matters. It's good. Well, one person asked if you had any scripture that encourages you when you're having those moments of shame or guilt. Yeah, totally. I mean, one thing that I love, I love Romans. Um, and at the end of chapter seven, I believe it's chapter seven. You can correct me if I'm wrong. I don't have <laughs> Girl, a Bible Girl, I'm here. not good at that. I'm not good at that. I don't, I don't remember. I have where. a Bible on the other side general, of the room. But at the general, end of chapter seven, like, oh, yeah, okay, yeah. Paul is talking about how, you know, like, I know what is right and I don't want to do right, but my flesh chooses what's wrong. And he, and he's, and that's one of my most favorite pictures of him because I'm like, oh, he is a real person. And I know he's a real person because he did some really awful things. You know, we read about that and God stepped in and intervened and saved his life. But when he's talking about that, I'm like, oh my gosh, I get that. And then it flips right in. I do know this. It's Romans 8 where it just says, there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And I love Romans 8 by himself, by itself, obviously, but I really love it when you say where he just came from, which is talking about the battle that our soul and our flesh are going to wage until we're made perfect, you know, until we're home with Jesus, that there's going to be this battle between what our flesh wants versus what our soul wants. And then he jumps in and he's like, hey, but listen, we're not going to throw condemnation on us because we're in Jesus and he has made us clean. And so that's, I really love kind of meditating on those things in, you know, when talking about this kind of stuff. So helpful. So helpful. Okay. 
I'm trying to think if there's any more questions here. What I really want to know is have your kids read it and what are the conversations you've had with them as you've been writing the book? My kids have not read the book. Um, mm-hmm. They probably won't right now just because actually they could care less that their mom wrote a book. I mean, honestly. <laughs> I love that. Okay. I mean, yes. my husband no, released it. I get it. I yeah, get it. Yeah. My so husband, like, that's the thing that takes you away from us. Actually. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. My husband released a book in August and he gave each of my kids a book and it's a historical fiction. They could all, you know, get through yeah. it. And my yeah. oldest read it, but my other ones, I know they haven't read it. Um, no, my kids haven't read, read it. Uh, you know, there's some stuff in here that I don't think I'm ready for them to know, which they will eventually. I mean, obviously, I wrote it in a book, and it's the internet and all that <laughs> yeah. kind of things. Uh, but it's just some age-appropriate things, and I'm just not ready. I mean, I remember one time when we were at dinner, and I don't even know what we were talking about, but one of the kids said, like, Mom, did you did you kiss anybody before Dad? And I was mm-hmm. like, yes, I did. You know, like, this is an uncomfortable conversation <laughs> at the dinner table, right? And they said, well, what was his name? And I said, I don't remember their names. And one of my kids was like, their names? You kissed multiple guys before dad? And I looked at Aaron and we just started laughing. I thought, and I was thinking to myself, we're like, oh, Lord, we got some conversations to have. But, you know, we talk with our kids all about sex. And all my kids know that I was, like, engaged before my husband. And so, you know, we have these conversations, and they'll just be age-appropriate. I'm not not embarrassed of my story, per se, with my kids, only because, man— if God is asking me to share some things that are hard or the things that he's kind of worked in my life, the things that I'm on the other side of, and I think he's asking me, well, I don't think, I know he's asking me to share this for other women, right, who are listening and reading. I just have a hard time believing that he would put me out here and, and give me this platform and ask me to say these things and not know that my kids are going to be affected as well. And not in a bad way. I think my kids will be affected in a great way is, you know, I get to share the gospel with my kids, you know, through my story. And this is my story of how God changed my life. And so even though it's hard, only because I'm their mama, like, you know, if you asked me to sit down and talk to your 15 year old daughter about this, I wouldn't feel bad at all, you know? Um, But as a mama, it kind of hurts my heart to have these conversations, but I'm really, really trusting and know that God is like, I got this, your kids life, your kids are going to see Jesus in your life. And that's what we want. And remind everybody, I mean, I just assume everyone knows who you are, but remind them how old your kids are right now. You have a son who's I have, 13. Yes, right? my, I have a son who's um, oh, 14. Older? Yeah. Oh my gosh. And He's I so have old. another son, two other kids who are 12, two other boys that are 12. They're not twins. They're adopted and six months apart. And then my daughter is 10. So 14, 12, 12, 10. Double digits we for got everybody. We kids around here. I know. Oh my goodness. Well, I... I know that there is a mom listening and she totally identifies. I know there's more than one mom, but I will say the mom listening who identifies with what you're saying and even that struggle with your kids and it breaking your mom's heart. What advice would you give to her, though, as it comes time to talking to her kids or sharing some of those hard decisions she made? They may not be the same ones you made. Uh, they may have be things that happened to her. Mm-hmm. How do we handle those conversations? And, you know, I, I say you, you handle them very carefully. Um, yeah, because these these are your babies, um, but you also have a lot of wisdom. One thing I've really noticed in p- parenting in general is that my kids aren't going to ask me these questions. My kids mm-hmm. have they have no they have no place in their mind to ask, "Mom, did you have sex before you met Dad?" 
Like that, that's right. just not in their brain, right? Or right. let's say your story is tragic and maybe you endured a rape in college. There's no concept in their brain to say, mom, were you ever raped? Right. And so for me, I always think about like, for me to tell these things to my kids, I'm going to have to bring it up. Um, and you know, that may seem a little bit more difficult for some people, but to me, it gives me a little bit more control and I'm kind of a control freak. So it makes me feel <laughs> a little bit better, but I'm going to have to bring it up. And so these will be yeah. conversations that are ongoing. And, and for us and our family, we've been talking about sex since my kids were like five years old. So everyone knows everyone, we've had the conversation, you know, all the things. And so, but we still talk about these things with our kids, but we're the ones that bring it up. And so if mm-hmm. I'm ever talking to my kids when they get older, this is how I imagine. I haven't done this yet, Heather, so this is just me imagining. <laughs> okay. But I imagine when we start talking about how teenagers are having sex or you may be tempted to have sex or all of these things, that's when I imagine that parts of my story will come into play. Um, you know, just giving my kids the sex talk and then, then throwing a bunch of stuff about their parents on top of it. I don't think that's necessarily helpful, you know, but I think, you know, age appropriate, make sure you're bringing it up because they're not going to, um, and then just little by little by little, you know, because what I don't want to happen is for my kids to get like 25 years old and, finally pick up their mom's book and then go, wait, why didn't you tell me any of this stuff? And I don't want to have to say, well, it's too hard, you know, because I want to have those open conversations with them as it kind of comes about in their life. Yeah. Mary Flo Ridley is a guest I've had on a lot who talks about birds and the bees is what she's called birds mm-hmm. and bees. And just, you know, starting the conversation early, but at answering the questions they ask. Mm-hmm. So kind of like letting their development or yeah. she says, they're not thinking about what's off from the typical relationship, like things like rape or other mm-hmm. things. They're just, you know, how does it work and how does the baby come out? They're mm-hmm. basic functionality of sex. And then, like you said, age appropriate, like issues that they're dealing with when they come to you and friends ask them questions. I I love watching from afar and maybe it's not true, but when I see your family, it seems like y'all are pretty fee- free to have lots of conversation. Yes, we are. And I will bring, I will say words to embarrass everybody. <laughs> Like I, this may be inappropriate and you can take this out if it is, but I want my kids to know that I'm not stupid, if that makes sense. Yeah. So yeah, you know the, the I know you the know words. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I was one time, again, feel free to edit, but we were sitting around talking about something and I was like, uh, I think I said it to my 12 year old boys. I was like, have y'all ever heard the word boner? Do y'all know what that means? And they were like, oh my gosh, mom, yes. And I was like, oh, okay, cool. I was just wondering. But I want them to know because if if your kids don't know that you know, they think you're stupid. They think you don't know. And so then it becomes like, don't tell mom, you know? And I want to be like, hey, I knew that word way before you ever did, you know? And so, yeah, we are pretty, we're pretty loose around here and we like to have open conversations. Yes, I am of the same. I love, I love that. I love with my boys hear something and they don't know what it is that they come to me, mm-hmm. that that's still happening. Yes. I'm, you know, kind of nervous for the day when it doesn't, but when they come, I just want to respond with a like, Oh, well, yeah. With total knowledge totally. and confidence and like a real chill attitude that it's fine. This is what people talk about mm-hmm. and you can come to me and I'm the expert on it. And yeah. so, yeah, that yeah. even just happened over Thanksgiving. You know, every time you're with cousins or like in a new environment or, we took him to a bar and play bingo. Any of those situations, totally. You might inter- interact with something that's outside of your normal yes conversation. <laughs> always, always, <laughs> always. Well, uh, I have loved having you on, Jamie, and I am excited to see what God does next with this book because I know that once it's out in the world, 
that's when this story really starts going. Like, oh, you're I so think sweet. that you are, again, a brave trailblazer in all things, but to free women from shame is so good, so huge. And I know, real quick, I know that you do some work in the prisons, mm-hmm. and I can't think of a better person for that. I think you would oh, just thank you. so good and grace-giving. But have you found, you know, what you've been through and the grace that you understand to be super helpful in that situation? You know, I feel like that I have learned a lot from working, um, from volunteering uh, with this organization here. And it it all started when I was just feeling like I was just surrounded by Christian women and my husband works at a church and I have a Christian podcast and I teach Christian women, you know, I was just like (laughs) Christian everywhere. And not that my girls aren't Christians, but a lot of them are. But, um, you know, I was just noticing, I was just there yesterday and sometimes when they answer the questions, they're just so matter of fact, like just say what their issues are. And I was sitting there and Mm -hmm. I was thinking, oh my gosh, this is so wonderful. What if I was in my Bible study at my church and yeah. a woman was just like, yeah, like I totally am yelling at my kids all the time and I'm so angry. Or I am drinking wine at like four every day now. What's wrong with me? Or, right. you know, I am finding myself fantasizing about this guy that comes to my husband's. You know what I mean? Like what if women just said the things out loud that my girls in the jail say? And it's because there's just this like, there's just some freedom there that I mm. feel as though we're missing. And I think I just went off on a tangent, but what I mean No, no, is, no. I think I totally get that. I totally get yes. that. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Like, how do we create these environments totally. where we feel able to be that free? Because for some reason, I know in my if I was in my Bible study group and that happens, which fortunately, I'm in an amazing small group right now. Super great things happening. Lots of honesty. But let's say it's another group that's mm-hmm. not, so, yeah, <laughs> not as totally. open. But I think what happens, what shuts people down is the second you share, there's advice. Uh, right? Yeah. That's what we do. We're like, oh, well, let me tell you what you should do. Mm-hmm. And now I'm in this recovery group and that's like against the rules. You're not supposed yeah. to yeah. like tell them how to fix it. Uh-huh. You're just supposed to listen and acknowledge their feelings and their there's things they're struggling with. And I think it provides some freedom because you know you're not going to get the the shame talk. Totally. Back. Totally. And then when you get the shame talk back, you feel alone. Oh, well, I yeah. guess no one well, else in yeah, here I has was, something wrong. Yeah. The only one. Totally. Just like I thought. Totally. Yeah. Where a lot of my girls, you know, that we get to hang out with on Tuesdays, a lot of them, the playing field's pretty level in there. I mean, mm-hmm. it's pretty level with either why they're there or their addictions or whatever it might be. And so the freedom that comes, and I feel like if we just kind of transferred that into, you know, our regular everyday life, our playing field's pretty level out here as well. We just try to act like it's not. I mean, we're all desperately in need of Jesus every single day, except for sometimes we forget that and we think that we don't need him as much as other people do. And so I think just leveling that playing field really, really, really is important in in going deep and with sharing things and being vulnerable with people because it's scary. It's scary to say things out loud. When I think it goes back to, again, the parenting and how you approach it with your kids, if it's kind of like a, I've got it all together, what's wrong with you? Mm-hmm. Then we're not even leveling the playing field with our kids where we're saying, yep, that choice you made, I get that. That same depravity, like you talked about, mm-hmm. is in me. Mm-hmm. And so I used to hit my brother too. Yeah. Like anytime I've shared with my kids that I like would hit my brother, we would fight. They're kind of in shock. Like, really? Like really? you did this too? Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah I know. I did. And they want to scream all the time. Yes, so, yeah. exactly. <laughs> Yes, I get it. I get it. Well, this is going to be good. Where do the people find you online, Jamie? 
Yeah, you can find me. JamieIvy.com is my webpage. And I love Instagram. So I'm over there at JamieIvy as well. And then the book stuff is if you only knew book.net. Very cool. Which you can get on Amazon or at that webpage. That's where you can find it. And it comes out January 30th. That's right. Yes. Super excited for you. Can't wait. Thanks for being with us today. Thanks, Heather. All right. Bye. Do you know what I think would be such a blessing to Jamie if you just took a second and said a little prayer for her, for her protection? I know she mentioned real quick chapter 10. She just said chapter 10. And I had the book in my hands as she was talking and I was flipping through the chapter chapter to remember. And it's a chapter on her um, issue with pornography. And I know the enemy has such a foothold in that area of our culture and so many women and men trapped in addiction and I know that he does not want us to be free from that. So we just pray for Jamie protection um, over her family, over her as she travels, as this message goes out that she's brave. Um, and I do want to point out my pastor on Sunday, he talked about coming out from hiding so we can be healed, that it's our healing over our hiding is one of our church's values and He spent time talking about shame and the difference this shame conversation has when we are in the church and how we want to just say, you know, um, you shouldn't feel the shame. Don't feel the shame. And Jamie mentioned it and my pastor mentioned it. I just wanted to highlight it again that without Jesus, we do have shame. Without his covering over us, we, we have shame. We are not worthy. We are not worthy. But through Christ through his suffering, the fact that he was naked on a cross. Think about that. That same nakedness where we felt unashamed before sin and then ashamed of our nakedness after sin. The thing that healed us from that was Christ on a cross naked. My my pastor, Neil, pointed out he wasn't wearing a loincloth like a lot of uh, paintings have him painted. He was completely shamed. He was betrayed. He was arrested. He was denied. He was whipped. He was mocked. He was crucified. And if Christ can take all that on and be so vulnerable to the point of being killed on a cross, we can be brave. We can be vulnerable. We can share our stuff with safe people. And that's a key too. I I hope you got from this conversation is this isn't a go on Facebook and tell everybody you're junk. There's a lot of things that we need to keep more private and they don't belong in public forums like Facebook. Uh, We also need to realize, why are we sharing this? Am I bringing this to a person hoping that they're going to fix me? Because people aren't going to fix you. God is going to fix you. People are going to support you and encourage you and love you as God heals you. So um, real quick, I wrote down some next steps. We know that we can share our sin and confess it first to God because he already knows and he always forgives us like over and abundantly he forgives us. We accept that forgiveness. And then in James 5, 16, we read, we confess our sins one to another and pray for one another so we can be healed and that they can support us through those next steps. So uh, if you haven't done any of these things, maybe the first step for you is to confess to God the sin that's been in your life. And maybe the step for you is to tell a friend. Maybe the step for you is 
to attend a recovery group. And I've talked about recovery many times. Uh, you could find a celebrate recovery group, our small group. You know, none of us are the extreme that you would think needs to be in recovery, but we all are in need of a 12 step program. There's all something that's getting in the way of intimacy with Jesus. And so the book we used was steps into God's grace by Lynn Hoffman. I've interviewed her before. I also wanted you to know that Jamie is so good at creating this safe place on her podcast, and she's doing a special series called If You Only Knew. It goes on uh, live on Fridays, and she actually interviewed me. And if you want to hear my If You Only Knew story about my issue with uh, anxiety and fear, you've heard little bits of it here or there in these four years of podcasts. But if you want it all uh, summarized in one episode, you can go check that out. I put the link in the show notes. Um, but my prayer is that we would be a church of people who are not hiding, uh, who are too afraid of admitting that we are imperfect, as if uh, that that would mean that none of us would need Jesus. So let's all admit that there's no way we're worthy. None of us, like Jamie said, we're all uh, falling short, and Christ is so enough for us. He covers everything so that when God sees us, he sees absolute perfection. Uh, And I think that's it. Oh, the Not Alone series. I am working on getting the experts, the mentors, the other moms to kind of respond to the messages I've gotten and piece it all together. It'll be kind of like the That's Me thing series that I did a while ago, but maybe shorter, uh, maybe smaller, shorter than 15 minutes so that we can remember that I'm. you're not the only one dealing with a strong-willed uh, three-year-old girl. You're not the only one who has been just inundated with suffering. You're not the only one who is struggling with friends and family who are, have different political beliefs in you. You are not the only one who is exhausted because your kids are constantly sick and you're super lonely because you can't leave the house. Uh, just had one son diagnosed with the flu. Awesome. Um, I, I think that sometimes we can believe like I'm the only person going through this and that is a lie from the pit of hell. You are not the only one. So be on the lookout for that. It's really, truly only bound by my lack of time. Uh, But thank you for being gracious with me. And all right, guys, I think that's it. I'll, uh, I'll talk with you soon. Adios. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the God Centered Mom podcast. If you're looking for more resources on how to replace me with he, go to GodCenteredMom.com. That's where you'll also find show notes with any links mentioned by our guest. I want you to really understand and know that God is just as present while you are washing dishes at your kitchen sink as while you are worshiping him in a church pew. He sees your service to your family and he is pleased. As it says in Zephaniah 3.17, The Lord your God is with you. He is mighty to save. He takes great delight in you. He will quiet you with his love and he will rejoice over you with singing. Have a great day.